was here last week, so you do know me a bit, I think. Um, hi, everyone. Good to see you. I am Hanel. I lead the church with Ben, but I'm normally here in the morning. But I am very excited to be here this evening. Now, last week, um, who was here last week, just so I know, then I'm not, oh, quite a few people. Good. So last week, Ben started our two kind of week vision uh, series. Ben spoke a bit about the vision of St. Peter's, and I'm going to continue that. But instead of having Ben's slightly clunky kind of giving thing that he did at the end, which, would you agree with me, was a bit clunky? Yeah, okay. Just me then. Um, Often we have giving Sundays twice a year, and this is another one of them, but I'm not going to bore you with that at the end of my talk, because I really sense God really wants to move us into ministry, and I don't want it to be clunky. So I'm going to tell you now about what our needs are with giving. So if you have one of these on your seat, just have a little look at it. So Ben spoke last week about the vision of St. Peter's to play our part in bringing heaven to southeast London. He focused in on us being a church that longs to be ambitiously local. And the way in which he spoke about this was about us being a church that wants to plant and graft churches across southeast London so that we don't just grow big and fat here with lots of people, but we give away um, to other places that are in need um, of people and God's power and presence uh, to go there too. Not that they haven't already got God's power and presence, but we know that we've got lots of people here with amazing gifts who we could send out. Um, so there's the people bit, but there's also the money bit. Now, Ben asked very boldly for quite a bit of money last week, but everything we do here at St. Peter's is because of our church's giving. So if you, I'm not going to go on for very long now. Basically, if you don't give to the work of St. Peter's and, and you're new, please would you consider, and as an, and you're a part of our church family, please would you consider giving regularly. Um, standing orders are helpful because then we know what's coming in. Um, but also you may feel led by the Holy Spirit today to give a one-off gift to some of the stuff that we are in need for at the moment. One of them being uh, basically an office in our garden, which is going to double up as kids' space. Has anyone been around in the morning service and see how many children we have? Yes. Okay, so we're up to over 100 kids now, and we are bursting at the seams, and we need more space. They were all, all 35 of the Rockets, which is the older age group, were in my, in my house this morning. And I'll be honest, I would love for them to not have to be in my house, because there's a lot of mud in my house. Um, so we're going to be building a amazing kind of, you know, those cool... Um, Nordic wood garden shed things, yeah? We're going to build one of those in the back of the vicarage garden. And we've got planning permission, which has taken us a really long time. So we finally have that, and we're going to be building it, but it is going to cost 60 grand. Um, but it is also going to be uh, office space for our amazing team here who have nowhere to go. They're always working all around the church. No one's got anywhere to put their stuff because they're basically in that back room there. Anyone been in there? It's so tiny and no one can ever spread out. So it's going to be a kid's space on a Sunday and an office in the week. But also uh, when it's not being enough, it's going to be used for other community stuff too. So we're asking people to consider to give towards that. Um, but also we've just found out that we can also buy a really cool bus, another bus, because we don't need planning permission for a bus. And that um, bus, which we need to decide on tomorrow, is six grand. And it's an amazing bus, like the youth bus, that um, Juliana's going to hopefully transform. She's an amazing architect in our church. Um, and it's going to be another kid's space, but another community space as well. So that's another thing we would love for people to consider to give towards. And also, um, we are asking for 
another bit of money in regards to how we support other churches. So we're supporting a church in Forest Hill, going to be grafting into um, a church in Forest Hill, Holy Trinity Sydenham, and one in Kidbrook called St. James. And for that to happen, we need some of our team to work a few more hours so they can support that work um, in those other places. So we are putting on another 25 grand on top of what we're asking for in hope that um, this can really start to flow and it won't be as costly for our team here in all the hours they're working. So with all that to say, I'm just going to have a little moment for us just to close our eyes and just ask the Lord if he is asking us to give. We do not guilt people into giving here at St. Peter's. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us in the most incredible ways and how he wants us to give. And so we're just going to have a moment just to wait on the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We know we don't need to be anxious about money and provision. We know that you have what we need. Just speak to us now if we are to set up regular giving or to give a one-off gift to one of these things I've mentioned. So if you would like, if you feel that God is speaking to you and you want to have a little think about it, you can, well, you may not want to think about it. You may just want to go for it. You can uh, pledge um, what you would like to give on one of these forms and you can leave it in the goblet of fire, as Ben said last week, um, or give it to Julie. Um, or if you'd like to take this away and have a think and a pray about it, please do. Um, and giving online is really easy too if you would like to give online. Was that awkward and clunky? Was that all right? There we go. Now I can get on with my talk. Woohoo! Okay. So, transition. And I'm back. Okay. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to do the reading at the front of this. I'm going to do it in my talk. That's what I'm going to do. Good. So, Ben spoke about being ambitiously local. This is one of our values here at St. Peter's. It actually came about during the pandemic where we realized that it was not all about church on Sundays, uh, where we realized that we want to be a church that gives away to those in our local area and beyond. Ben spoke about the planting and grafting side of being ambitiously local. And this evening I'm going to be speaking about Love Broccoli and the ways in which we want to be a church that reaches our community, that knows our neighbours, that welcomes people in but also goes out and reaches people. The vision of St. Peter's is to play our part along with many other amazing churches in southeast London to bring heaven to everywhere we go, to know that actually uh, the power and presence of God, which we believe is heaven, can be something we take with us into uh, our weeks out there onto the streets of Broccoli or wherever you live, but also we can be a place where people experience heaven here in all the stuff we do. So Love Broccoli are all our outward-facing ministries, so all the stuff we do to serve the needs of our community. And I'm just going to tell you about all the things, because I actually know a lot of people are reasonably new here in this service, and you may actually not know the whole flow of the week. So I'm going to tell you about all the things, and hopefully I'll be able to breathe, because there's quite a lot of stuff going on here under our Love Broccoli umbrella. So uh, Monday morning, we welcome... Over 60 toddlers and their carers and parents into St. Peter's. They love the underfloor heating and they love the coffee and they love the fact that we are here to welcome them in 
to start their week. We actually have, last week we had a queue of another 20 people who didn't get in because we couldn't let them in. So there is a real need to serve the needs of those going through the early years journey with their children. Little fishes, it's amazing. Then one till three on a Monday afternoon, we welcome in more little people. We, have, um, we had about 30 little tiny babies, newborn babies and their mums or carers come to a, a beautiful group called Bumps and Babies. And we provide them again with coffee because they need that and cake. And we also help them with, their, with feeding advice. We have a lactation consultant. If you don't know what that is, it's someone who helps people feed their babies. Um, and uh, we have other people who just befriend and nurture in that environment. So that's Bumps and Babies. Then on a Monday afternoon and on a Tuesday afternoon, we have dance at St. Peter's. Dance at St. Peter's. Oh, this is good. Didn't Did we have that this morning? No. There we go. Um, so you're following with me. So Dance at St. Peter's is a dance school, basically, that we run here. This is the community space that you're sitting in. We have over 220 or maybe a bit more kids doing different classes. Is that it, Chloe? Yep, correct. I don't want to say figures that aren't true because that would be annoying. Um, come in, they get a very warm welcome, and then they go and they dance. They dance all over in all these rooms along the sides, and then we have adult classes too. We give about 40% bursary places, so children who wouldn't normally be able to come to dance classes after school um, get to dance, and it is just a stunning community of people, um, and often people don't want to leave because they kind of come all afternoon, even if they have a class at like 2.30, they're like leaving at 6, it's really funny. People really feel at home in this space during dance at St. Peter's, and it's such a joy, and we have a really fun Christmas show, which you're all welcome to come to. Um, Growing Hope is an amazing charity that we run here that operates in that room over there, and it works... Um, uh, it helps uh, children with additional needs. It gives free therapy to children with additional needs, and it runs Tuesday through to Friday. We have um, physiotherapy, occupational therapy, and music therapy. And this, again, is just meeting one of those needs in our community that is so hidden. Children with additional needs um, often end up, if their needs aren't so acute, they often end up on the bottom of a waiting list, waiting and waiting for their needs to be met and for help. And parents find this service absolutely incredible. Sharon, who runs it, is phenomenal at what she does. That is Growing Hope. Social Supermarket runs on a Wednesday. This um, started during the pandemic, and it has grown into the most beautiful community of people who come, come in through that side door over there. They sign in, they pay a little bit, and then they just have uh, so much food to choose from. This, this whole area I'm standing is just fruit and veg, and people come and choose what they want. There's, within this context, um, you know, a, a parent kindness team who just come and meet with people and make them feel um, at home. And then we have an amazing health and well-being club that runs within the social supermarket that a, a lady called Anne McBride runs where she helps people think about healthy eating. She's actually set up a pop-up cafe that happens once a month where these people who, are, um, these amazing people who have learnt um, about healthy eating then cook healthy food. So it's really, um, really fun and creative. Um, also within the social supermarket, we have our job club, which um, helps people find meaningful work that we've now decided runs during the social supermarket, which is helpful. We have, on a Wednesday afternoon, a creation club that Anna, our kids worker, runs, which again uh, helps children with just with after-school activities. We give out bursary places for that. She helps children look at um, how they can care for their environment, and this is really great in terms of encouraging children to think about how we treat our world and the beautiful world that God created. On a Wednesday afternoon, we also have a youth club, which um, runs on the bus, and they do homework together, and they play games, I think. It's 
seems really fun. It's very noisy, and it's next door to my garden, so I often have to hear it. So that's on a Wednesday afternoon. We also have a beautiful new initiative, which is going to be a community garden, which we have an amazing team of people working on, uh, looking at how we can transform the space around St. Peter's into a beautiful space for growth. They're going to be growing vegetables and um, all sorts of things, and going to be encouraging the community to come on a Thursday afternoon, I think, to help work in the garden. And this is going to start to be quite a therapeutic thing as well. I'm not going to get all the facts right because I don't know everything, but that's good, isn't it, Matt? Yeah. Um, so that's the community garden starting soon. Every first and third Friday, we have a friendship cafe, which runs here. There's beautiful teacups. Oh, it's just stunning. Um, beautiful teacups and cake, and it's just a really special time. Um, meeting the needs of the elderly in our community, but also um, other, other generations come to uh, a space for those who are isolated and alone to just come and find Friendship, Friendship Cafe. That's on a Friday. Uh, we also have a ministry that started during the pandemic called Unconditional, which Myra and Frankie and the team run, which helps survivors of domestic abuse uh, come and find uh, healing and hope and restoration and meet other people who have gone through similar things. And we also have uh, uh, people who look after the children while these uh, survivors um, talk and, and um, talk about how they're doing. That's unconditional. And we also have a team uh, who have been uh, really moved by all the stuff going on with our youth, the youth violence in our community. We've had so many terrible stories recently that we've heard of terrible things that have happened to youth in our community and this um, has basically built a team of people who are looking at how we can help as a church, what we can do to play our part at standing in the gap for these youth. Um, there's also Jason and Teo who've run an amazing project called Operation Forgiveness which you're going to hear more about. He and, and they go into schools and help primary age children understand uh, what you know, what knife crime is um, and what forgiveness is. It's the most powerful project. I'm excited to tell you more about that soon. And breathe. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> we are seeing beautiful things happen through Love Broccoli. And actually, can we just give a big round of applause to those who are involved in these initiatives? Because it, 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 it actually was quite a moving thing for me in, in preparing this to really recognize afresh all the stuff that God is doing amongst us through, you know, not... It's not me, as in it's everybody playing their part, you know, everybody coming with their passion and their, um, their hopes uh, to see our community really reached. But the thing is, what are we seeing? Because it's helpful to hear, because that's all the stuff we're doing, but what are we seeing God do through it? Because one of our other core values here at St. Peter's is that we want to make Jesus known. We don't want to just be a nice community centre. There are an amazing community centres throughout Lewisham, actually some, sadly, that are having to close because of funding. But we, you know, we could just run a really nice community centre and then close the door and be done with it. But we want to see Jesus move in people's lives through his love and his power. And every single thing we do, we hope that that is happening. We, we have a prayer and kindness team that operate within these ministries um, who are kind of on hand to pray for people but also just to build friendship and connection. And we have seen remarkable kind of journeys of people coming to faith through these initiatives. I, I would probably have to do a whole other talk on testimonies of what God has done through some of this stuff. But there was a beautiful testimony on Wednesday at the food bank that Anne shared with me about a lady who came, I think, two hours early because um, she was looking for the church and she arrived and she had um, really um, painful knees. I don't exactly know what the condition was. And um, the team prayed for her and she was instantly healed. Instantly, she could feel the pain leave her knees and she left encouraged and with food. 
I just love that picture of Jesus, like meeting her actual needs for food and her physical needs for healing. It's just beautiful. But those testimonies are constantly flowing through our team. And I, I sometimes stand in the middle of the, you know, the community dance cafe and I just think, gosh, this kind of feels like heaven. Children happy and playing, adults making friends, uh, children dancing their heart out, you know, and amazing music pumping from over there and there. Just that sense of freedom and joy. I, I often feel like that in these moments. So we are seeing beautiful glimpses of heaven. We really are through this stuff. And again, it's the incredible team that run this stuff that, um, that means that, um, you know, that, and, and run it in a way where they really long to see Jesus' heart in it. Not doing it because it's like doing good works and good deeds, but because we want to see Jesus work in people's lives. But yet, and there is a yet, I, I would say there is still so much need. I mean, th- we are seeing amazing things, but I, I would say there is still so much need. I um, Anne oversees all of Love Broccoli, and I support her in that, and we meet weekly, and we have weeks of real elation as to what God is doing and the miraculous things that we're seeing, and then we have weeks where we're like, oh, this is heavy. There's a lot of need. There's a lot going on because, you know, when you open the doors uh, to, to meet people's needs, the needs continue. And so, um, so there is definitely need for more support in some of the stuff we're doing here in, in Love Broccoli, definitely around the prayer and kindness team. To be honest with you, the food social supermarket is mostly run um, by the community, actually, rather than people in our church. We have remarkable people like Nisha, Jerry, Phil, Caroline, um, and others, sorry if I haven't mentioned your actual names, who help help run the social supermarket. But a lot of people actually are people just in Broccoli who don't come to our church, which which I've always found quite interesting. Um, but we, we, you know, we, we are in need of more help with those things. But also, there is, you know, so much more if we long to see God do um, what he's doing here in places like Forest Hill or in um, Kidbrook or to support already existing things happening in other places. So how do we respond? Because I can see everyone's like, hmm. Well, we could just close our eyes. Maybe you just want to close your eyes and just not think about it and think, do you know what? I don't have the time. I don't have the time to think about all the needs that are going on in Broccoli and beyond or wherever you live. Or you may just want to look inwards to yourself and think about all your inadequacies, your kind of shame around the fact that you're, you've got your own problems, you've got your own stuff going on. How am I going to help anyone else if I feel like I do this evening? Or maybe you're one of those people who just wants to look way too much. You're like, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to add more things to my diary this week. And you're, you're thinking, gosh, yeah, there's, there's more that I can be doing. I'm going to overcommit to the point where you become a little bit resentful because you feel like you're the only person like doing stuff. Well, can I suggest that I don't think any of these options are healthy. I don't think any of these options are what is needed because we know someone who can help us with what a, a good response is to need and that is the person of Jesus. He's always the answer, isn't he? So how does Jesus respond to the needs around him? Because we read in the Gospels, he is faced with need after need after need, isn't he? So I'm going to read the passage that we're going to be looking at this evening. You can follow along on your phones or get your Bibles out. But we're in Matthew 9. It's a short one. And this is the response that Jesus has. Uh, Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them 
because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So the context of this passage is that before this, we just see Jesus doing amazing things, healing many people. Just within chapter 9, he's healed a blind and mute person. He's risen a girl from the dead, and he's healed a sick woman. Um, He's also called Matthew. Yes, that was a good bit in chapter 9. He's forgiven. um, Oh, he's healed a paralyzed man as well. And then all the other things that he's done before we get to this point. Jesus has been taking heaven out into the streets, and he's been healing, he's been um, meeting people's needs, he's been seeing people, he's been connecting with people, he's been um, giving people friendship and hope and healing up until this point. But then straight after this verse in chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 12. He calls the 12 disciples, this is chapter 10, to him, and he gives them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. So this is a really momentous moment in Jesus' ministry. It's the moment in which he has been doing all the things, uh, I say by himself, he did have people there with him, but he's been doing all the, all the work, really. And at this point, he calls his disciples to do the stuff that he did. He says that he is giving them authority to do the stuff that he did. It's a significant moment for Jesus. And I believe that this, passage really aligns with where we are at as a church, that this is a significant moment for us too, to consider what it would be to uh, multiply, to see the, the, you know, the workers being more than a few, to see the works of heaven out there on the streets of Brockley um, and beyond, name your place that you live, uh, see it flow and multiply, for us to believe that we too can be his disciples. And we have sensed as a church, and we spoke a bit about it last week, that God is calling us back into uh, just to re- relay the foundations of discipleship. So anyone doing foundations, hopefully everyone in here, foundations on Wednesday, come back. It was amazing the last two weeks, this Wednesday, looking at foundational things about our faith as a church. Sorry, we didn't mention that earlier. Reorientating around discipleship, actually knowing that we are disciples of Jesus, that we can be with him and do the stuff he did. So we sense God calling us back into that, that realigning uh, that truth that we are all disciples. It isn't just a few of us who get paid to do this job. We are all disciples. We are all able to do the stuff that Jesus did and help one another do the same. But also reorientating around this idea that we're not just going to grow big and fat here, that we want to plant and graft churches. We want to be generous with sending people and money and time to other places where we want to see heaven break out in southeast London. Um, this multiplication thing that Jesus is about to do, I think, is really speaking, uh, going to speak to us as a church as well. So Jesus sends out and he multiplies um, kind of the work of heaven breaking out amongst the people. And um, I think this is going to be crucial for us. So let's ask some questions of the text. So what is a plentiful harvest that Jesus is talking about? So he says the harvest is plentiful. He does say that. Now, when when you think of the harvest being plentiful, it's not this image of, you know, beautiful corn ready to pick. Um... Because if you read the bit before it, Jesus actually says that this is what he sees. 
he sees harassed and helpless sheep without a shepherd. So what Jesus is seeing is harassed and helpless sheep, but then he says that the harvest is plentiful. He isn't talking about a healthy field. He isn't talking about people who, you know, are ready to enter the kingdom of God. He's not talking about people who have it all together and that he's now going to gather up because they're ready. The harvest is plentiful. No, he isn't. He's talking about a bunch of people that need saving. And that's the point. That's the point of the gospel, isn't it? The point of the gospel isn't for those who are together and just want to add Jesus on the top of their already together lives. The, the, the gospel is for the sick, for the unhealthy, for the anxious, for the fearful, for the lost. That is what the gospel is for. And Jesus is saying here that he has come for those people. He has come for that plentiful harvest. He has come not, in other parts of the gospel, he says that he's not come for the, uh, for the healthy, he's come for the sick. So the point I'm making is the plentiful harvest that is in front of him is the crowd of people in serious trouble. And that is what Jesus is seeing. That is the opportunity he is seeing in front of him. That is the uh, people that he wants to meet. So what do I see in Broccoli and beyond? Well, I see a lot of injustice in our legal system and other things. I see a cost of living crisis. I've had so many conversations just this week about people struggling and afraid. I see knife crime on our streets. I see severe mental health. I see uh, people who are lonely. Uh, what do we see in the world? We see, we're seeing nuclear war, the risks of it. Uh, famine, conflict in Europe, Iran, need I go on? And then if we just turn around and just literally think about our neighbors, the people literally living next door to us, not the neighbors we like, people next to us, who live next to us, who are harassed and helpless, lost, in need of saving. And here is what I'm saying. If we just open our eyes, we will see that the harvest is plentiful. The opportunities for heaven to break in and eradicate hell are literally everywhere. We don't need to look very far, to be honest with you. We'll get out of here this evening and see something that we know doesn't look like heaven. So what is the problem then? Because Jesus doesn't just talk about an opportunity, the opportunity of all the people that need saving. He talks about the problem. And he says the problem is the workers are few. But the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So up until this point, Jesus has been doing all the heavy lifting, so to speak, as I mentioned earlier. He's been doing a lot of the healing and the connecting with people and the going to the lost and the lonely and the destitute. And it is at this point that he says, guys, I can't do it on my own. I need you guys to come and do it with me. I need you guys, full of the power and presence of God, to multiply this mission that I have on earth, to bring heaven to earth. Jesus is calling his workers to multiply. And I believe, like, like Jesus in this context, we too are calling the church to multiply. We are calling um, all of us to play our part in bringing heaven to southeast London, not just a few people who feel like they're able, but all of us. We don't want to be a church that just grows uh, big and, 
you know, fat and indulgent and we just keep all the good stuff here. We want to be taking out his power and presence into our workplaces, into the streets we live on, right next door to our neighbor and their needs, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. But also to these church plants and grass like Ben spoke about last week. We all have a part to play. We all have a part to play. But how do we do this? Well, can I tell you what we don't do? At this point, we don't just shut off and decide that we just feel a, a bit guilty um, because actually we don't want to play our part. We, we don't agree with, um, with that overwhelm because I really believe each one of us, wherever we're at this evening, have a part to play, a part to play in God's incredible plans for Southeast London. We all have a part to play and we're all on a journey. I understand that. But God has huge plans for each one of us, not one of us is counted out. So how do we become an effective worker in the kingdom of God to take advantage of this harvest that Jesus is talking about that's right in front of us? Well, the key to this whole passage, and you'll be pleased to know there is a key to this passage, is in verse 36. When Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion. And that word compassion uh, in this context actually means to be moved to the bowels, to literally be moved in, in his gut with compassion for what he is seeing. And um, someone actually told me after the morning service that the gut has actually has 100 million, 100 million more um, nerve endings than even the spinal cord. Very interesting. And actually, the brain has the most nerve endings, but the gut has the second amount of nerve endings. So what I'm saying is the gut that Jesus is talking about here, it's literally where he feels and where he moves um, with compassion. So he doesn't just sit with compassion and think it feels a little bit emotional. He actually moves with compassion to do the stuff that he did. So Jesus allows himself to be moved with compassion. And we see this throughout the Gospels. So often this phrase is used. It's used in the feeding of 5,000 and many other um, places. Jesus is often, his, he's often moved with compassion before he does anything. He engages his inner being in every act of love and kindness. And then what is he moved to do? He's moved to heal, to feed, literally feed people quite miraculously, um, to listen to people, talk to people, comfort people, teach people. And I believe we too can receive this kind of gut movement of compassion, not because we're going to be doing good deeds in our own strength, but by the power of his Holy Spirit. That is how we receive Jesus' compassion and his heart for the stuff that we are seeing. No to the overwhelm and the kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do, but yes to that deep compassion for what we are seeing. So what does this move of compassion look like? Because for each of us, it's going to be different, right? Because we're all different. None of us are the same. None of us have the same way of looking at things. None of us have the same workplaces, have the same streets we live on. None of us have the same passions. None of us have the same skills and gifts. We're all different. And so the way that, that Jesus would move us with compassion to meet the needs around us is going to be different for all of us totally different. But um, one way, uh, one example I have of this move of compassion I've seen in my life um, was when I, as in this move of compassion that moved me into action, uh, was when I was a student. I was living on uh, an estate 
estate in North London, a beautiful estate, amazing community. And I was living uh, above a bakery and I, um, which I don't know why I want to give you that detail. It's just because that's where I was living. Um, but it did smell good in the morning. And basically I was on like the main street of the estate and there was always a lot of action on that street. And um, often in the night I would get woken by some of the youth out there fighting their dogs, which seemed to be an activity that they did. I, I, it was, I think there was a lot of gang-related stuff going on and I had no idea because I was 18 and uh, basically had never lived in London so I didn't know what was going on. But I was moved with compassion for sure when I would see what was going on and thinking, why are they not at home? Why are they not asleep? Why do they look so troubled? I don't understand what is going on here. This feels so, so dark and so sad. And there was this one night where I wasn't woken by anything going on. I was just woken. And I cried all night. I was so moved with compassion, which I later found out was God's compassion. Um, it felt like God was like literally putting his heart in mine and, and telling me that I couldn't really stand for this anymore. I had to do something um, to help or, or, or just do something. I couldn't just sit and watch. And that led me on to, uh, basically, I'm a dancer, um, if you didn't know, and I set up uh, like a, a dance project. Very randomly, I just kind of wrote a flyer and photocopied it in my random um, photocopier in my house and just fly it around. Yeah, anyone want free dance classes? And um, I, my first week, over like over 60 kids and youth showed up just for free dance classes. And this grew into a beautiful community initiative, not run just by me, but other people in the community who got behind it because they were also um, loved using the arts for community empowerment, which I'm really proud. I'm really passionate about, aren't I, Chloe? Um, because it draws people together. Dance is an amazing way to draw people together. Sorry to keep going on about dance. Um, and it was just remarkable, really, from that moment, from that move of compassion into just seeing the Holy Spirit just allow me to flow in that. It was, it was amazing. It was a huge privilege, and there's still amazing stuff going on on that estate. And I feel privileged to have been a part of helping some of the kids and the youth get off the streets and find belonging. But do you know what? Moves of compassion aren't just projects and charities, just to say. So it isn't just, oh, do you know what? I feel really moved by this. I'm going to set up a charity. Or I'm gonna, I feel really moved by this. I'm going to set up an initiative. Those of you who are doing that, yes, this, that is amazing. But a move of compassion is the day-to-day being with people. Literally, the amount of people you get to be with on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it be in your workplace, whether it be your neighbors, whether it be um, when you're out walking the dog. I always meet so many interesting people when I walk the dog. There are people right in front of us, harassed and helpless people who need the love and power of Jesus. And it is from that place of compassion, I believe, that Jesus had, that we can move, that we can move to see heaven break out around us. And really, it's very simple what we do. We just need to open our eyes. I don't think it's, it's that complicated. We just need to open our eyes and see, and then... We need to allow God to fill us with his compassion, his heart for his people. Because he is so passionate about each person in here and each person out there. There is no one that he does not want to reach. There is not one person in Brockley or in southeast London that he does not want to see. He wants to see everybody come to know him. He wants to see everybody filled with his power and presence. He doesn't want anybody to be left behind. But what does he say? The workers are few. But I believe that we can 
be those workers as a church. We have remarkable people here already doing remarkable things, but it isn't even about being remarkable. It's about just being you. God has made you perfectly to do the works of his kingdom. He's made your heart perfectly to receive his heart. Like no one in here hasn't got the ability to receive God's heart of compassion for his people. So what would it look like if we all joined in with this? I think we would see many workers. Obviously, I've just said that. We see multiplication. We see expansion of his power and presence. I think we wouldn't necessarily need talks on Sunday because the testimonies would be so long. Um, we'd literally be like, oh, my gosh, hand the mic on. Next time. Oh. It would just keep flowing because we would be seeing heaven break out amongst us, not just on the streets, in our workplaces, et cetera, et cetera. I think I've made that clear. Everyone has a part to play, each one of us. Each of us is so significant to the works of his kingdom. He has so many beautiful plans for each of us. And I believe that he wants to give us more of his compassion so that we can do that. Because his compassion will be the thing that moves us. His compassion for us and then his compassion for our neighbors and beyond. Why don't we stand? And let's just respond. We always have, if you're new to St. Peter's, you may not know this, but if you have been here a while, you'll know that we always like to respond. We don't just go and get on with our evening. We allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to move within us, because he's the one who will tell you what you need to do or what you need. So let's just uh, close our eyes so we're not looking around at everyone else or looking at me. You may want to open your hands just to show that you're open. And we're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to leave a little bit of space.